Welcome back to your weekly dose of transformation. Transform you family, my transformers. Grab your notebook, your favorite beverage, and get ready to dive deep into real talk, actionable steps, and a whole lot of heart. I'm your guy, Marcus Hart. Meet Randy, a devoted father, faith-based entrepreneur, and CEO of Live Echo Style Inc. and the Distillery Channel LLC. With over 45 years of experience in podcasting and media, Randy joins us on the Transform You Live show today. He's going to share some valuable insights on business, personal development, and overcoming trauma. So stay tuned as Randy dives into his latest book, Adam's Miracle, recounting a true faith-based story of his son's near-death experience and miraculous recovery in 2005. And he's actually right here with us now. So how's it going today, Randy? It's going good. Thank you for having me on. I really, really uh, appreciate the opportunity to be with you and, and looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a pleasure to have you. We got a chance to chat on the other side. I, I got a chance to learn a, a lot more about you and you're definitely a phenomenal, phenomenal person. You, we're, you're practically neighbors, man, and um, living living in the great state of Wisconsin and, and, and you're bordering the, the Illinois uh, area over there. Uh, and we, we learned about uh, all that you do in your spare time. But, you know, in your own words, can you tell, tell us a little bit more about you and, and all that you got going on um, and, and what you're trying to do to put out this, this message. Well, I live a very blessed life. I, I Every day that I get up and share, and I thank you for that question, because um, I live every day fully. Uh, it is, I think God has given me the, you know, as, as everyone, every day to be lived in a way where, you know, I, I walk on that beach and always knowing there's a secret, second set of imprints walking behind me or around me or in front of me that helps guide my life. But um, I've had a great career. I have four sons uh, stretching from the age of 52 down to the age of 33 and great grandkids. And, and I've been blessed with a, with a good family and, and they work hard and we go from there. But, you know, my, my world right now is that I had a 24 year career in the insurance business with Mutual of Omaha way back when. And I was on a show called Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom with Marlon Perkins. Now, anybody in your audience that's over 45, they'll know that show. You don't. Because <laughs> it was an it was an iconic show every Sunday night. And I, 93% uh, of America watched it. Because we only had one channel back then, maybe two, no matter what community you were in. But that show came on Sunday night at 6.30, and I was sort of the guy that was doing the commercials. So it, it was a dual career. They, they asked me to do that. I didn't. That wasn't something that I, I asked to do. Anyway, at the end of that career, uh, they closed a lot of office, all the offices and had to look for something to do. And I go, well, that thing I was doing on Mutual Omaha's Wild Kingdom was a media career. I wonder what I could do with that. I had no idea. It was just a lot of fun, and got I got a Screen Actor Guild card out of it, which meant nothing. It didn't mean I had any talent to act. You just get a card for being on TV or doing whatever. So anyway, it led me to my two companies, Live Eco Style, which is not about global warming or anything like that. That's about a happy lifestyle. Our tagline says very bluntly on the on our website. It says about all the good things in life. It's about travel, dining, sipping. Sipping meaning, you know, golfers golf, then they go maybe have a beer, pop, wine or two, something like that, after dinner drink. And uh, it's it's about living a good, good, clean life and storytelling. So we talk on that website to CEOs and people around the world about their, their companies, from polar travel to uh, cruise ships to uh, one young lady is a, she takes women all over the world, and she is, I mean, from Mount Kilimanjaro to Iceland to Mexico, I get to meet great and interesting people. But what happened was, back in 2005, and this book is 18 years later, we just wrote it. You would think in 18 years I could get, you know, get to my notes and do something, but nope, it just, it was one of those things that, it was such a huge event in my life, um, and the story basically is, is that on a Saturday night, um, I, earlier in the day, I'd watched my fourth son, great athlete, play basketball the Saturday after on Thanksgiving weekend. 
And, you know, he loved his, the team and I loved watching my son. And he had two great winning shots in both games. And life was good up until about 11 o'clock that night. And we heard a thumping in the bathroom, didn't no idea what it was. And sitting there half asleep in a chair on a on a snowy night, Saturday night. And and honestly, the first miracle happened because I was supposed to be in Dublin, Ireland that night. If I hadn't been there, my son would have died in the bathroom. He had a grand mal seizure. Um, I had to knock the door down. And I found my son banging his head against the wall with his grand mal seizure. And as I said in the book, we all um, get married and have in a coupled situation, think our, you know, we want to have kids and you want to love them, have them jump in bed. And certainly my son did all that, you know, through growing up. But when your son is there and he's in your arms and he's next to dying and can't breathe, you know, what do you do? And from there, it is the story of what happened over the next 30 days. Um, you know, it's going to tell the story. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a miracle. It's, it's called Adam's miracle, but it's about all the miracles as we reflected back on that happened during that time that added up to being a big miracle to where my son today is trying to get to the PGA tour and play golf. So, you know, I'm, I'm giving away the, the bottom line that it's a story that if you want hope, head trauma is, it was found out that he had viral encephalitis. It's on the front of the book. And with all the people I knew, I was told within the first 48 hours, um, because of the power of Mutual Omaha and my connections and all the doctors I knew, they said, Randy, your son's going to die. That's what's going to happen. So we took the book from day to day, from having my son begin that situation, and the goal was to get him home. And... The book is to give people hope and faith because I'm very faith-based and and in there there are stories about how that kept me going forward at uh, at the worst of times. Really, it it just uh, it's still today. Uh, I get up in the morning and have prayer time and give thanks and give thanks for all my kids and for all the people and all of the hurts and scenarios that go on in the world that. You know, since that time, it, it made me very sensitive to people with head trauma. If I could give them hope through the book, that's really what I wanted to do. Yeah, Randy, I, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, quite honestly, like, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm about to crack, man. You know, um, as as a father myself, uh, I'm I'm getting very emotional, um, and I I can only only imagine what it would be like having to break down the door and find, find your son just, just laying there. And I think the biggest miracle of, of, of them all is that God placed you there. You know, you know, God placed you there to be in that position. And I, and I think you probably replay, replay that in your mind all the time that, you know, thank God that you were there. And, and and thank God that, you know, you can say that like we, we are able to look back on this and 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 from point A to point B to point C and now we're here. And it, it, we we we're able to be grateful uh that we have uh made it through this moment. But you know it, it never it never leaves your leaves your head like like you like you like you um have uh worded to me. And, and have you uh, like you have worded to um, many of uh, the audience out there? So when we when we talk about you know, being able to uh, recover and uh, be resilient, you know, how 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 have you have have how have you done that? You know, uh, what was it? You know, being able to talk about it uh, throughout the years, just or was it just more just you know? being grateful and, and looking at your son and, and saying, you know, thank you. Toughest question to ask that you asked, you pinpointed it. A um, couple other things that happened just to lay the groundwork as a parent. 
So Saturday morning, I watched my son play basketball that, that weekend. That night, he has a grand mal seizure. 48 hours later, on Monday night, he has last rites. And Thursday of that week, the doctors had me look at the MRIs and the CAT scans, and they said, you know, Mr. Weckerly, you know how to read these. You know your son's brain dead. And I looked at him, and I walked into the room, and they said, your son's a big, big, big athlete, great guy, but the best it could be if he came out of this, he'd be a vegetable for five years. Let him go. So I walked in to his room, being faithful, and there was a nurse in there and said, you know, I, I know that we're only here temporarily. And nurse in there said, what are you doing? I said, well, I came in to let my son go. And the doctors were standing outside the room. And she simply said, you know, Mr. Weckerly, miracles happen. And I put my palms skyward, and I said, Lord, I've never asked for anything. All I've ever done was give thanks. And if you could pay me the the deepest miracle and give me my son back, I'll pay it forward. I don't know what that meant. I'll pay it forward. Yeah. It's a big blank check that hovers over my head every day. But I said, I'll pay it forward. And I put a piece of blue tape on the floor that medical tape that they have in the room. And I walked outside and I told the doctors, I said, um, I think God just sent me an uh, angel. And I said, you can kill my son with drugs. Keep him alive. I'll take my chances on the other side. And at that point in time, that's when you're talking about my life changed because I was all in. I was not going to let my son go. Even now, today, the question you ask is, how do you get over it? I'm not over it. I live with this every day. I, in a, all During when I was in the hospital, I had very ruthless partners that took over my companies. I ran two companies, and they came in and voted me out. Didn't know when I was going to come back. I said it could be a year or two. I wasn't going to leave my son. So when I got out of the hospital, I had no career. I had no companies. I had nothing, but I had my son, and I had faith in God that he would put me into a place that would allow me to help. I mean, he still needed rehab, but you know, when you talk about, does it ever leave? No, it never leaves me. I mean, I'm that close to crying anytime I talk about it um, because it was it, the message I tried to get across in the book is if, if a person has faith, I am accepting of what would have happened, mm -hmm. but I wasn't going to, the faith part of it was, I couldn't believe God was going to take my son from me. I just couldn't. He was too good a kid. Kid lived in good karma. The kid was, you know, and, that, and, that, and that's the other problem with the book is, is that when you, when you were, there are so many miracles in the book. The reason I put in the book, this, I, I, I highlighted and put in bold when I used the term miracle, because there's so many little miracles that were along the way that when I went back and reflected on it in writing the book, I said, well, this is unexplainable. It's a little thing, but it's like the weakest link in any chain. If that miracle didn't happen, none of the rest would follow. He would have died. And when you're living every minute of every day, even though it was only for about a 30-day period, um, and then you see this rapid recovery that's part of the book, that's unexplainable, still today, unexplainable. And we have all the proof. We have all the medical records, everything. And in fact, we had medical results in November that's in the book, November of this last year, where we went to his, he had tests. We wanted to see how viral encephalitis causes scarring in the brain. We wanted to see how their brain was doing. Yes. And the miracle was in November, as he and his mom and I were sitting getting the results, is that there's no evidence now that he even had it. Wow. There's no scarring. The EEG, EEG is perfectly fine. Makes no sense. And when you have that miracle on your shoulders every day, which I do, 
Mm -hmm. He'll never leave me. So if I could give somebody hope in this book, somebody to allow their faith to carry them forward, to understand that brain trauma is, I mean, it's, it's witchcraft. I mean, you talk to neurologists, it's, you know, it's, right. it's witchcraft. But during the time he was in the hospital, I learned how to read EEGs. I learned how to, you know, I went to the library and dug it out, took it to his room and said, what am I missing here? And there's one part of the book we found out that one of the things we had so many things that happened in there that you got to read the book that you sit and say, I don't know how I didn't, I never counted the miracles, but they're endless. That makes no sense. And that's why it took 18 years for me to get put pen on paper and put this book out. And that's why we decided not to use a publisher. We decided to self-publish because we didn't want the interference of a publisher coming in and saying, you should do this, you should do that. And we said, no, I just want it to organically grow. I want the message to go out there. And if it gives somebody hope and it gives somebody faith and it says this actually, it, it happened. <laughs> I can tell you it happened. It's the biggest thing in my life. You can take all my corporations today. You can take everything that I have, I'd, I'd roll it up in a piece of paper, but I never give up my faith and never give up my son. And that's what happened. And, and I think that's, I think that is the, the most biggest piece right there. I think that's, that's the most impactful. And I think that's the, the, the part right there that plays in, your pivotal role in in your journey and that, that highlights oh, where you you are going in in your healing process um I, I think a lot of people uh tend to reject things that uh, that are far beyond our understanding and um and 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 what we can comprehend to to help us move forward, you know, because like there's there's some things that kind of like are out of our hands, and and we want to try so hard to like put our hands on them to, to 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 change them, but but when but when we require divine intervention or 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 something from the outside to change them. We we tend to like re reject it or, or, and and then when it happens, we we still have a hard time processing. But like I, I see I, I see this huge huge thing that that has happened with you where you where you have embraced it. Um, now a big question is where where do you do you have a lot of support around you? Uh, that has like uh, provided like a, a lot of a lot of strength, you know, in in the early years or 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 even right now. Uh, that's like uh, really really pushing uh, pushing you and pushing you know pushing um, your family to like you know uh, really drive home like this this message of hope. Well, that's a good question. Uh, strangely, um, as I said, when my son got sick, I lost all everything financially in oh. in the world. It doesn't mean anything. We I came in with nothing. I'd leave with nothing. And, you know, it's just the way the process is. As far as the family goes, I, I've allowed my family and my sons to lead a very independent life, you know, and be very strong in what they do. And they've raised, you know, to me, it's not how much money it makes. It's how, it's how you raise your kids. And if you yeah. leave a good good footprint raising your children, that's what it's all about. Um, in our world, Jack Nicholas, I was just he was you know world's greatest, eh, one of the top two greatest golfers ever. That's a depends on what area you're coming from. I just listened to an hour long podcast of his this past week talking about he just turned eighty five. It's hard to believe, and um, talking about his life. And the reason I admired him so much, he said all his life, he said, I didn't care anything about golf. It was all about Barbara and my, my kids, my grandkids. I don't care about golf. It's about my family. And, and I know following him when he first came out 
and it's hard to believe I'm that old, but I remember him coming to tour as a young guy and listening to stories about how he and his wife would, you know, make two eggs in the morning and a, basically a holiday in before he went out and played on a hot pan that she would bake, you know, break, you know, brain and how he raised his kids. That was important. So when it comes to family, yes, I had a great day yesterday celebrating my second son's 50th birthday. We have a very loving family. Um, they didn't know I was writing this book. Had no idea. I, I gave it to them. I had no idea when I gave them this book before I got it published. I said, read it and tell me if there's any changes you want me to make. And when you're involved every day in the hospital tending your son, you don't know what's going on in the other rooms. I didn't know that my other sons were there. I didn't have a place to sleep for two weeks because I was just staying in my son's room because you can't leave. So the support system was there instantaneously. You know, I, I, I didn't know how it affected my sons that were there until I gave him the book. And then my second son and his wife said, oh, my God, when, the, when he finally got out, you know, Karen and I just got in the car and, and we went to St. Louis for a week and we slept. All we did was sleep. And I, I had no idea that they were even there every day. I had no idea that they were at the hospital, but they were there. Um, so the support of family, this touched a lot of buttons when I, when I got it published. And my son, the one that got sick, he said he didn't know what went on. He was in a coma. He had no idea that all this was going on. You know, he was laying naked in a, in a, in a, on a bed in a, an intensive care unit with 17 different drugs going into him in a room that was 92 degrees every day in a coma. And he had no idea what happened from the moment he got, went into that bathroom that night and had a grand mal seizure until he woke up 64 pounds lighter about 30 days later and said, you know, I had no idea. And so the support system of my family is, is raised through love and through faith. And yes, you're right. It goes back historically generations uh, to my grandfather, who was a very important part of my life, but also to my great grandmother, who you'll love this being in Wisconsin. She rode and I knew her very well. Uh, she rode to Boscobel, Wisconsin, in a covered wagon in 1888 uh, at the age wow. of eight, you know, and um, uh, just a tough old German woman, you know, and uh, they, uh, they've, they've fed, they, every day they, you know, they, they would put pies on the, on the, on the windows back in the 1890s. And they would disappear, and then the pie tends to come back, and that's how they kept peace with the Native Americans. They wanted to make sure that they knew that they could make good <laughs> pies and keep a smile on a face, just like yours, you know. So, you know, the, the historical, I tell stories all the time about my heritage, which uh, goes back to very humble heritage of, of, um, of uh, you know, you talk about immigration and such, but... Uh, it would be enough for a whole nother show that you would enjoy because it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting topic. I think history is very, very important in our world today. And sometimes it's being lost or, or being misrepresented or being made wrong. But I'm, it, it basically, your question is, do I have a big support system? I have a tremendous support system in who is my third wife. And my, you can make peace with exes. It was my second wife who was, we had to bond together to save our son's life. And we did. And all three of my exes and the extended families, my other sons, everybody came together, which we wanted for all those years. We understood that, hey, you know, sometimes marriages don't work out, but we made peace long before it ever happened with Adam. And uh, that support system, yes, it was big, deep, and wide. And I was very, very, and am very, very blessed to have all these people in my life. It, it's, it's truly amazing, you know, how 
situations like that brings uh, everyone together, you know, and 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 it really transformed the the the, the dynamics of, of family and, and and friendships, you know, where where once was holes and and different different gaps in that relationship and those those gaps and those holes get get refilled with 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 new uh new new patches of of uh of hope you know like this 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 word hope is a is uh is a it's real uh is a real good thing throughout this this conversation here today Grandy and um you know and it, it's not like oh, oh we're gonna get back together or anything like that but it's you know now we can be cordial now we can you know now we can laugh and rejoice and like you know celebrate new moments of uh of, of like you know of, of knowing that like uh, the the future is 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 all about you know like of of the creations we you know uh we we have put on earth you know the the kids you know because you know, I, I I think sometimes now, like especially nowadays, you know, we get uh, what we see in our modern modern culture now is that you know a, a lot of a lot of people struggle to, to go parent. Uh, you know, they they start hating each other, and then situations like this, they find it hard to come together. You know, so I, I re, you know I, I think that's very commendable, and I think you know I th I really thank you for sharing that part uh, of the story. You know that you know that um you know and being vulnerable uh, about that. So, 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 Randy, you know, I, I think one of the most important parts of, of your story is that, you know, is is the the fact that like that there is celebration uh, at the end, and and, and there's there's hope of a, a of like joy and, and 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 living a life of joy, and uh, and and now you know in, with this book, the book is is like evidence of 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 success how, how how would you like give give people you know uh a picture of success like you know would would you say that like like this miracle you know is 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 a, a is an example of success or would you say that like like the story itself is 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 success what what is success to you some of the people, and it's a great question. I, in fact, I self-ask it: Is it why me? Why? Why was I given the miracle? Or why was my family? Or why was my son? Because a lot of times, you know, people say, "Well, if, if God is so loving, why did He do this?" Or whatever the situation is, you know, why did He take? You know, whatever the case is, is that sometimes the negativities that that the good Lord presents us. And what I would like people mainly to take from the book is is live life fully and and be faithful i mean in my world i i see god everywhere i i mean i i look out the window every morning and living in you know lake geneva area is beautiful i mean it's it's gorgeous yeah. you know when you have a company called live eco style you know i've got more bird seed now in the driving my wife crazy on the patio because every time it snowed, I put out more bird seed and when it was brutally cold, now I got piles of bird seed out there. They, I'm going to end up with 500 pound sparrows if they eat it all. And, uh, the, um, but you know, there's just, I, I just love birds. I mean, they have total freedom. I mean, they come and they go and, you know, and they're, they're fun to watch and you sit there and it, it's, you know, they're, they're nature, this isn't a mistake. I mean, this is, you can't, you can't look at the sky and go, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut. I mean, that's crazy. As conservative as I am, I was in school and, you know, and they said, why do you want to be an astronaut? I said, I, I just want to go to the moon. I think that'd be just, you know, as cool as anything in the world. And back in the day when, you know, they were blowing up missiles every, every other day back in the late fifties, that was not yeah. really a fine retuned subject, but I, I went, I applied for it and went to, I thought it was going to be in the shuttle program and, but I'm not that way at all. Um, I, I hate roller coasters, but I'll go on, a, I'll put a fire up my, you know, rear end to go out, you know, leave the atmosphere. That's nuts. Um, as I said, I, I've had a very, very interesting life and I had a, a priest that I was very close to. I was raised Methodist, converted to Catholicism. 
basically Christian. It's all in that hopper. Let's let's put it at that. And one of the priests said one time, you know, you just say the Lord's Prayer. I can't tell you how many tens of thousands of times I said the Lord's Prayer over my son. And those words are extremely meaningful. If you ever sit down and really read that and go word for word for word, it's very, very, I could spend eight hours explaining every word of that. But then I had another priest I became close to, and he said, you know, if you don't know what to say, just say, wow. God knows what you're trying to say, what you're trying to get out, and just say, wow, because, you know, it, you can't define those words or those thoughts. Or you can't bring them forward. So if you share in your actions, um, when I lost everything financially um, and basically had to find a job to just have a job just so I could rehab my son, because my son didn't need rehab. I mean, he wanted to get back. He played basketball the next fall. He got regained wow. all of his. Yeah, he, he was so weak when we took him to Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. He couldn't throw a basketball three feet. I mean, barely could stand up. But he was back playing in the fall, and he was a state athlete in discus in the 400. Now, those wow. two those two are not compatible sports, you know. And now he's yeah. a elite golfer, you know. So <laughs> none of it makes any sense. I mean, I can't tell you that going from when the doctor said, if your son survives this, he'll be a vegetable. He will be at best in a wheelchair and not mentally there. Well, it's not how he woke up. You talk about a community coming together. He loves spaghetti. Uh, I'll tell you what, another little miracle story inside the book. He, We ate at a place in DeKalb, Illinois, where the kids grew up called Pizza Villa. And, and we every Wednesday night, we went and raised the kids. And he, he loved that spaghetti. And since he was a basketball player and we were sort of known in town, he wanted to have spaghetti in, in, during his recovery spaghetti and milk well big thing happened after he woke up doctor came in one day and said well, i'm sorry he's still not out of the woods you still might lose your son and i'm talking to him and i said what do you mean he said well his liver and pancreas is still failing and we don't know if it's going to come out and we're and he had recovered to the point where we're talking to him his vision was fine mom and dad and we're joyous think oh great you know gastroenterologist comes in and says nope not so much now like geez how do we do this i mean just got hit in the head again thinking in three or four days he could be gone again the next day the gastroenterologist comes in and that night we took adam for just a walk in the wheelchair around the hospital and he went to the cafeteria and he wanted to have spaghetti and milk in his mind still not working exactly right because it was cooked. Correct. I mean, viral encephalitis is an infection of the brain, okay? And it's a lot yeah. of wiring had to be rewired. And But even though he knows mom and dad and he's talking okay and he still has a sense of humor in his personality and everything is coming out, he wants spaghetti and milk. And we told him, hey, not yet. So the next day, the gastroenterologist comes in and says, 24 hours later, talk about miracles. Mr. and Mrs. Weckerly, there's no explanation for this. All of his results are fine. He can eat whatever he wants. My no explanation for that. Lord. None. Zero. And that was like, I think, on a Friday. So I called down to the guy that owned the spaghetti shop and down in DeKalb. And I said, hey, this is like right at Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, one of those days in there that he's not even supposed to be open. And I said, you know, my son is sort of looking for spaghetti. I said, would there be any chance you could put some spaghetti together Monday or Tuesday so he could have it? And he literally went in, the owner, who I'd known for many, many years, <laughs> made the spaghetti and put it together. And through a relay of my third son or Andrew, he went down and got it in a snowstorm, handed it off basically to a realtor, and my son, we had a joyous dinner that night of spaghetti and milk. Now, there's no explanation to that. Man, None. wow. 72 hours later. And to have those people in a community, the owner of the business, you talk about crying right now to hold back tears, to have somebody 
that watched my son grow up come into his spaghetti shop for 18 years on a Wednesday night and have spaghetti all over him as a little kid and you yeah. know the owner would come and sit down and be with us and just a different kind of community but they have a community come together that's why I want to say thank you to everybody that's why the book came out it's bringing out all these stories that are in it that we never forgot so all the message I try to give to people is live life fully. God is, I believe God is talking to us every minute of every day. I believe he's there every day. And I believe he's there. I, I live in the presence and in prayer. Try to be consciously what I call walking in prayer every day because those things that were given to me through the power of this book. And, and I say powerful because for me, I gave you my son back. You know, a wonderful human being who hasn't even read the book yet to find out what happened to him. He is, I mean, he's like, that's his, if he wants to, that's fine. If he doesn't, that's okay too. He knows that he's had, he, he knows he's been present. He obviously knows he was sick, but to know what happened during the time he was in a coma, I'm not sure I'd want to know either. You know, I'm not sure. I don't know, but that's, that's up to him. Um, cause he might be the only person on earth that might never read it. <laughs> I don't know what, the, what that spells out, but, uh, it, it was a challenging time. This is, this is beautiful, Randy. Um, I, I think you, you have given me a, a great gift, uh, today and you, you definitely have given my audience uh, a beautiful, uh, new year's gift. Yeah. I mean, this is a, you know, this is touching and this is, this is definitely pulled my, my heart in. You know, in a lot of ways, and it's going to make me make me hug my 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 kids a little bit more tighter today, and and just embrace life. You know, I, I think um, we we have a hard time looking looking beyond what 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 the true meaning, the fullness of life really is, and and appreciating um, so many things uh, that that we you know look over and. You know, you you being over in Lake Geneva and having that beautiful scenery over there, you get to experience so so much. And the one thing that you you know you mentioned to me that you that you do do now is like you, you head over to the coffee shop and 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 you 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 know you where you started to start picking up the pen and and you you find your piece in the coffee shop now journaling and. And take it in, take it in life, you know. Uh, what's what's that been like for you? You know, have 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 like you know going into the atmosphere of the coffee shop, you know. Uh, what what has that done for you personally? You know, uh, do you do you feel feel like you know it, it you know that you are different than different person than you than than, than what you were years ago. Oh boy, that is that's another really great question. Uh, when I go to the coffee shop, first of all, I love coffee. Um, my my grandfather started me drinking it when I was five. I loved it so much, we actually set up a coffee company because of uh, when we were in the distillery channel in that world. I said, wouldn't it be interesting if guys that distill products would send me their products, and if I could find a way to put their products or their smells or whatever you want to say that tastes their bourbon into really good coffee beans, that'd really be a cool thing to do. <laughs> so we actually did that. We found a way to do it, to roast uh, good bourbon into coffee beans. And and um, it's sort of a hidden business that we have. It's on the, the distillery channel. We used to sell a lot of it before COVID, COVID hit and it sort of destroyed that business. That's sort of it did. And I just haven't reopened it back up. But going to the coffee shop to ask your question, Best time. I look forward to it every week because I can go in there and just have fun. Um, I love to write and people are going, well, what are you writing about now? And I said, well, let me tell you this story that happened. Or even to Joanne, when we were sitting there talking, she said, well, tell me those stories about what happened. Because I had to make a comeback. You know, financially, I was, I was penniless. I didn't lose my son, but I lost everything else, and I didn't really care. So what do you do, you know? Um, but when I go to the coffee shop, and now I can just talk and have fun with people, and they come in, and they're saying, hey, what are you doing? 
I always ask them that question. I go, what are you doing? You know, what's your, what, what's your world about? How many kids do you have? I mean, what, you know, why are you here drinking coffee? I mean, you know, do you live here? And I have met so many interesting people. That's why I have a show. I have a podcast we're opening back up called Coffee and Tidbits. And really, it's just tidbits of life. I mean, it's just going in. I go to a coffee shop or I, I, I have a actress from Hollywood that's all over the country that's a coffee, passionate coffee drinker. And she's pretty and engaging, but she likes to talk to people, too. And it's just an interesting, it's an interesting, interesting way to just go talk to people. We, I was in there writing, for instance, a cup of coffee and just working on our, our second book and talking. And we're getting ready to leave. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people come in. And it's the Lake Geneva, I don't know, friendship club, or it's it's a gathering of people that just get together to have fun. So they said, well, where are you going? And I go, well, we're going to go get out of your way. And I go, no, you're not getting out of our way. You know, stay here. <laughs> so we had already been there three or four hours. And then they brought in some music. And then the people are coming over. And basically, it was like, you know, they'd say, you got to go talk to this guy, meaning come talk to me because this guy knows how to, and everybody has a book they want to write, I guess. I had no idea, but so it's fun to hear about their books, you know, from cookbooks to sport books to you, you have a book. I mean, you just got to tell your story of why you're sitting and co-hosting a show and what got you there. You know, I always tell people, touch your heart, just touch your heart. What's in it. Now it's only about 12 inches to move that heart to a pen in a piece of paper, write it down or go on chat GPT or, you know, pull up word and start talking. You don't even have to write anymore. And, you know, talk to words and, and get it out because share your story. And that's, that's what we do on my podcast. I, I just ask questions. I talk to CEOs all over the world about their, you know, class B, you probably don't know what that is. Class B eco-minded corporations. Um, you know, I've I've met guys that run cruises to Antarctica and, and the Arctic. I've met people all over, and all I do is just tell me your story. You know, I just find it fascinating. And uh, so the coffee shop is, is fun for me when I'm done here. Guess what? That's where I'm going. And uh, because I've got some writing I've got to get done today and get started on the next book, which people on this last Friday wanted to know about. And uh, I said, well, let me tell you some crazy things I bumped into. Um, which never in the world, I mean, I'd be the last guy that would ever think I was going to experience some of the things in downtown Chicago. Uh, for instance, remember I told you about that big blank check, you know, that I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay it forward. Yeah. So after Adam got recovered a little bit and I just put my palms up, I said, Lord, put the right people in my life so that I can recover. And I'm going to let you bring me the people that I need to associate myself with mm -hmm. to go forward in my life, whatever that means. Cause I had no idea what I was going to do. I had right. no idea. And, uh, that happens. It happens every day. And I just, you have to be open to it. But basically what happened was, is that I had some people that came to me. I had some special interest in how I could help in the underserved world of Chicago. Everybody knows about the shootings, both in Milwaukee and in Chicago. And yes. I was working with people to do, um, make some life. They said, do you want to help on creating what at the time was going to be a big sports village on the south side of Chicago in Washington Park, which is an area that is really full of a lot of gunfire and a lot of, you know, a lot of bad living. So basically, um, I said, sure, absolutely. What can I do? I said, I'm just a guy from Sycamore, Illinois. I have no idea what my skill sets would be. But right. if there's a way I could help with a transformative project that would make jobs and put people to work and things like that, I'd be, I'd be, yeah, I got on a train, went downtown, had no idea where it was going to take me. And the stories, basically, honestly, to be blunt, I was one of the few white guys walking in Washington Park every day, working out of the the churches and with people down there trying to figure out how we're going to solve these problems, create jobs and opportunity. And wow. that led me to trying to do the same thing with the the Mr. George Foreman down in Houston. <laughs> Whoever knew you'd end up meeting George Foreman, you know, one of the <laughs> nicest guys in the world. Mm -hmm. And it led me yeah. to meeting Shelly Duvall's mom. I mean, Shelly was the star of uh, 
of the in the shining and her mother became one of my partners later on no explanation i mean it's going to be in the next book no explanation how would i meet these wow. these people which led me to meeting cousin of mariah carey who became one of my partners out in la and again he's a song very talented man and a lot of transformative things we try to do with him so it's it's led on in a ill-defined broad spectrum 3d world that that coffee shop that i go to to answer your question is opens me up to the world honestly any coffee shop you go to you can always say so tell me your story what what you know what what's going on in here with you today what do you need to you know can i buy you a cup of coffee i always ask if i buy a cup of coffee so i'm the freest cup of coffee that there is in the world because i just enjoy talking to people it's not like it's work seriously nothing that's what it's about. It's about human connection, and um, that's what we on Earth here to do. You know, is make human connection, and and I think a lot of that is being lost now with uh, social media. And you know, social media is good, but you know, it's always about that human connection. And I think you get you know better connections when you do it in person than you do. I you dare know. anybody to look at the last yeah. ten people that they connected with on social media mm -hmm. and call them up and talk to them. Yeah. No, they won't do it. The people will, if you, if you gave people, they just won't do it. it. You know, sending out Christmas cards, Joanne sends out a lot of Christmas cards. She said, why don't you send out Christmas cards? I said, cause I'm terrible. You know, I try to call up and connect. I said, I'd rather <laughs> talk to people, but you know, she sends out a ton of Christmas cards and that's just a different way of connecting. But I will tell you there's a thing in social media. I actually went back to school college at NIU 10 years ago uh -huh. because I was asked to become chairman of a very large media company at the end of period of years and and uh during Adam's rehab and I I didn't know what it meant to be a chairman of a media company I had no idea it was and Shelly Duvall's mom called me up and said, hey, we have this job we want you to do. We want you to be the chairman of this company. I go like, oh, what does the chairman do? You know, I don't know. What, what does the chairman do? <laughs> and what's the company? You know, it's not a little overpowering for me because I was still trying to take care of my son. And it just didn't make any sense. But I did it. Uh -huh. And it led to Live EcoStyle having my own company uh, off from that. But it... You just don't. It, so I went back to school. I needed to get understanding of media law. And mm -hmm. I went back to Northern Illinois University. And I thought I'd pick up a few hours just to understand media law. And they said, you know what? Your scholarship's still in place from your track scholarship 100 years ago. Do you want to use that and go back to school full time? I said, do I have to throw the discus? Because I got my uniform yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, oh. Uh, well, you don't have a men's track team. I know that. So yes, I'll accept that. You know, I'll, so I actually went to school full time for three semesters and enjoyed every minute of it. And I got, you know, a bigger degree in communications. And it was, it was not my intent. I just was really going back to get, understand yeah. communication. It's always fun when well, you go back when you're older. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It, it was, is. It was, you know, it's, it's actually more fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the nightmare of the freshman in the front of the class to have an old guy sitting in the back that's there to get grades mm -hmm. and they're not. Okay. Right. But at the end of three semesters of in the department of communications, I got, you're still taking the same classes, doing the same projects. I was very yeah. committed to getting a four point and I grew tremendous relations with those kids. Yeah. I helped them get jobs. I put them through an interview. I mean, I got actually, one of the classes, the instructor had a stroke in class at, oh, wow. while we were there, and he was coming back the next year, and because it was a class I was very good at, he asked me to co-teach it with him, even as an undergrad. It was sort of a goofy thing, but honestly, the, I still have great relationships with the, the kids, and what they got me at the end of the three semesters was a rocking chair and a nice football parka to make sure the old guy stayed warm when he went to the football games. So it, it was the best time. Honestly, I was doing, I was wearing myself out because I was working in that downtown Chicago volunteer project and I'd take the train right. at the day, get back and working around my schedule. And I thought, well, I can do this one more semester. My last semester, I took 18 hours. 
just because yeah. the degrees were there. But it was the best. It was absolutely the best because they, the, the age thing disappeared. You know, yeah, I does. just it does. It it just was great, huh. and you know, they the I the professors allowed me. I said I still once in a while have to take a phone call, so I'm going to sit next to the door. They understood. You know, I'd been around NIU for a long time, and they knew that I wasn't trying to be disruptive, but it was the best. You know, I think everybody, you know, should always continue their education. I don't. I don't think there's ever a. You know, I'm going back now to finish um, a little bit better understanding of the Spanish language. So I'm going to go back and take three semesters of that. And so it's just, it, you know, you, I don't think you ever should stop learning. I, I think it just keeps the brain sharp. Yes. And I, I think with, you know, college, you just got to pick and choose which courses to take. You know, the, yeah. uh, you know, um, it's it's not that like degrees are worthless now. It's, it's just, you know, it's just what is, it's really what you take. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think college get a bad rep nowadays and, 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 um, and it's, it's gotten to the point where they, they have created a lot of programs that like, yo, okay, you know, what is this program? But, but if you really, you know, go, go into the heart of college, you really, there's still a lot of substance there. Well, the, the, the COVID changed, you know, everybody's now has online classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's what it is. Yeah, and it's terrible. I mean, NIU, when I went there in 66, they had 16,000 students, and then the next year they had 32,000 students. They weren't prepared to have double the size overnight. And no. it was because of the Vietnam War, they allowed deferment so they were you know the schools were just growing and they had a four-year deferment if guys could go to college so everybody signed up they didn't you know they didn't want to go most people didn't want to go to vietnam but i mean it was a great vibrant time now you go around niu it looks like a ghost town you know nobody goes so there's a thing now that they've determined that people have from being online and it's a latin term called isolado is I-S-A-L-O, I haven't spelled it for a while, I-S-A-L-A-T-O, means being isolated. And when people sit on their handheld devices and they see all the green lights coming up and they put, everybody puts in pictures and selfies and all that, and they go, I'm having fun, I'm having fun, I'm having fun, I'm having fun, and they see all these pictures, well, no, not everybody's out having fun. That's just a picture of a time that somebody did. And they're all sitting on their beds feeling terrible because they're by themselves. They're isolated, thinking everybody's out having fun when, in fact, they're all sitting on their beds, you know, and not talking to people. So, unfortunately, you're getting too much of Randy's talking today. But it was, it was, uh, that's why I podcast. No, it's it's great, you know, and I think this this is uh, the part of the podcast where you know we we get the, the extra bit of bonus of part of you, and uh, you know this this is great, you know, to to get you know that extra bit of insight and and you know that's what it's all about, you know, and uh, just the, the human connection, man, and you know, and it, it shows the, the spirit, you know, it it shows the, the spiritual side of you, it shows the human part of you, and it, it and it really highlights the motivation of 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 just how of, of how you know you you know just jumped in like i mean it, you know this this when they say that there's great fathers I, you know I, I don't think they really really like you know understand like you know what what that means you know i to to be a great father you 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 I think you really have to know that there's something bigger, you know, outside of outside of yourself. You know, you you know, like there's there's fathers that's you know really self-absorbed, you know, and, and really into themselves and, and really kind of materialistic and you know they they're, they're really not, you know, they're fathers, but they you know they, because they they can make babies, you know, but you 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 know, Mr. Randy, you 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 are you get it, you know, you get it and you. You were there by your son, and you know, do do it all, 
you know, and um, and in and 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 the reason he he made it it is because you know you you ask for something uh from from outside of yourself and and the reason that that prayer was answered because you know your son continued to fight because he 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 knew that his his papa was there you know um a lot of kids give up because you know that's that's not there you know uh, no, but there's hey, a lot of dads out there one of the things we found out the reason I during the time he was there um they have to measure the pressure on the inside of the brain because the brain is mm -hmm. swelling. So they put in a thing right in the top of his head. And when you look at the book, you'll see that his, his hair is missing in the front during the spaghetti and night dinner. And anyway, they had to drill into his head to put in what's called an intracranial um, pressure device. And when you and I are sitting here, the normal pressure is just, it's a pressure and it's, it's measured at five. If it's at 15, that that's a terrible place to be. That's a horrible pressure. His was 65. Wow. Meaning nonsensical that he's still alive. Um, the brain, I'm not going to go into what causes death, but it just, it overswells. And you sit there and we could tell Anybody that's in a coma, I will tell you that the subconscious has the ability to hear a voice because I would sing endlessly when I saw Mike. There's a chapter in the book when my mom comes into the room and she's a very calming figure in Adam's life. Mm -hmm. And she comes over and he's in a coma that we've induced a coma to that's what you do in the, in the, it's a treatment. And she comes over, and all of a sudden, by her being there, and him has the ability to hear his voice, his ICP just went lower. And I was like, what? And I was like, man, that's, that's amazing. I said, Mom, just be quiet for a minute. So a few minutes later, I went back higher. And then she started talking to him, and it went lower. So she couldn't be there the entirety of the time. So that's why I ran down that night and they had a library. And I wanted to learn how to read EEGs, the electroencephalograph, it's called. Okay. I didn't know what all these squiggly lines meant, but I wanted to find out right now <laughs> because they were changing based upon my mom being there and based upon wow. this ICP. And I was trying to put all this together, the spaghetti soup. So I came back up and um, I said, you know, when he had real bad cold when he was a baby, I'm just going to sing a lullaby to him. I'm going to whisper in his ear, and I'm just going to sing the lullaby I sang to him when he was a baby. And it's just basically... And that ICP came way down. And if you don't think that you can't hold on to your baby for eight and a half days and never go asleep because the doctors would have let him go. The nurses told me that he crashed one time. His blood pressure went down to 50 over 40 and the doctor looked me in the eye and it's in the book. And I said, no, I'm not gonna let him go. At 40, your brain's starting to go dead. If blood pressure wise, but that ICP being at 65, we had to keep low. And I couldn't, I knew, I just had a sense I couldn't leave my son. And you sit there and you sort of catch maybe a minute or two, a nap or something, leaning against him. But that ICP, we had to try to keep low. And we just sang that over and over and sang the Lord's Prayer over and over. And you don't know what else to do. There's no alternative. I'm not going to give up. And... His mom didn't give up. We had to bathe him and his blood, his temperature was a hundred and whatever. And, and they can't give him any meds. I mean, he already had 17 meds running into him. And you sit there and you go, you're just not going to give up. And it's a minute by minute, hour by hour. And you wonder when it's ever going to stop, but you're never going to worry about your own self or whatever. I mean, I had, I didn't change. I, I'd go back and ask my kids, when did you, 
when did you bring, when did I get a change of clothes? I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember any of it. It didn't make any difference. We didn't know time of day. It didn't, there was no light. It was just always bright lights in the room. So yes. the being a good dad, no. I, I asked my wife yesterday coming back from the birthday thing. I said, you know, man, every time, every day I raised my kids, I said a prayer. And I said, Lord, whatever I did today, I hope it's not a negative memory. They'll remember the rest of their life. I hope there's not something I said that left them scarred. And I hope that I just was the father the best I could be. And I did that every day of my life, and I still do it every day of my life. Is that, you know, people intentionally or unintentionally say stupid things, or they get mad at the wrong time, or things that kids will remember, but you won't. I mean, I'm sure in your childhood, there's things that you can remember. Parents, you know, <laughs> it was just a thing that happened. But those things I never wanted to be part of that was a negative. I never spanked my kids. We had alternative ways to get their attention, you know. But I never, ever... I just wanted to be the best dad I could. And I'm not even sure I did a good job of it. I really don't. I, I'm not sure. I I just try still today. I don't think you ever stop raising your kids. I got 50 year old kids. I am still raising that. There's no demarcation line that says, okay, yep, they're done. It's not like a boiling pot of water that you put in your cereal in the morning and it's over. It never stop. If in my opinion, I don't want right. to be interfering in their life. I just want to be present in their life that they can yes. pick up the phone and say, Hey dad, what do you think? And that's it. So I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what that book is on being a good dad. I love it. Hey, I think that's, man, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to take that, take that for the rest of my life. I, thank you. Thank you, Randy. I think that's, that's, that's enough to stop that right there. Randy, is there anything else you want to like give to our audience or like say, you know, um, you know, rather it's like content information, like um, email, social media links or whatever, you know, uh, website. Sure. If anybody wants to find out a little bit about me, uh, you can go. We consolidated uh, everything to our a newer website. It's called it's www.excitedmindsmedia.com just like it sounds, E-X-C-I-T-E-D, Minds, M-I-N-D-S, media.com. And on there, you can see a little bit of a story about me and links to our other websites, Live Eco Style and the Distillery Channel. And if you want to buy the book, we it's available on Amazon, just under Adam's story. So you go to Amazon Books or you can go to Barnes & Noble Books. It's sold online. And... Uh, if you get it, you know, we hope that you tell other, we hope it's just a gift for people to give them hope, you know, possibly at the worst of times. There's have, there have been people that have already had the book. I had another person in the world of golf that called up and said, hey, I heard about your book. I just had, my granddaughter had a seizure and what did you do? <laughs> it, it was like, uh, okay, well, here you go. And she had a similar situation, and fortunately, the book gave them enough hope to dig their heels in, also, and they had a they had a positive outcome. So, I mean, that that's I don't want to give any more to that. We just want to give people hope and maybe a little cheer. Uh, typically, I love good humor. I mean, if you want to get to know old Uncle Randy, as I said, everybody knows me as old Uncle Randy. It's just a it's just from storytelling. Uh, I try to be a comfortable place where people can come in and have fun. I don't, hey, tell me about when you start to get ready to do your podcast. I know one thing I do. There is a side to me that's very private. And to get my spirit up and going, I always turn my computer on and I just do stand-up. And it's sometimes very blue. <laughs> I'll tell you, it is not politically correct, you know. Okay. So how do you get yourself going when you're getting ready to go, you know, in the day? Tell me about that. Where I get myself going, I, I, I you know... Coffee, and <laughs> so I, I got the coffee, and I, I and I'm usually listening to some music, or I, or I got something motivational come go, that I that I uh, 
that I put on. So, you know, nothing, nothing special. I don't, I don't do nothing really special for Andy. So. Well, I've, I've got I've got the blue. I said, I told, I said, if anything ever happens to me, hit delete on this file, you know, because that's just, sure. you know, there, there's always another side to everybody, but that's, that's what I try to do. You know, it's a great coffee shop in Milwaukee. I can't, I wish I could remember, but, but if you, you know, someday we should meet there and just sit there and, and yeah. uh, turn on the, you know, turn on a, you know, a recorder and just sit and, and I'll bring on the coffee and tidbits and we'll sit there and I want to hear about your story and your background and, you know, your great smile and, and how you got to be where you're at, because I know it's got to be a great story. I know you do a great job with your podcast and your passion, but obviously you got a big following, which you got to be really proud of and, you know, serving, giving people hope. I think that's just terrific. Thank thank you, Randy. I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, w- I would love that invite and um, come over to come over to Milwaukee, you know, so. We love to have you. Well, you come already, so. <laughs> well, it's only forty-two minutes away. Be careful what you ask. You know, I it'd be it'd sit there and be a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun on my shows. I'll tell you that. The uh, one of the things, if you want to do something fun, I went. Uh, I, it was sort of brain dead coming back, so I went and they had an opportunity. Uh, there was a agency in Chicago, which is going to be in the book. I went mm-hmm. in. I want to learn how to do stand up. You know, be a stand up okay. comedian. And uh, basically just to get my brain going again after dealing with my son for so many years. So I went in there and I, I, I it was a lot of fun. It was a tremendous amount of fun. It is. And, it's very uh, fun. Oh, it's it just, there is sort of a method to it. But what happened was, is that about two weeks after when in, it, I guess I got through whatever they wanted. They took me on as a client. Um, I was asked to try out to be in a movie. And I was like, <laughs> to do what, you know, and it was like, I don't know how to audition. I didn't know anything about it, you know? So honestly, I, I had known again, Shelly Duvall's mom, you know, in acting a little bit. And I called up Shelly and said, what do I do? And she said, just be yourself, you know, just going in there and go, I, I guess I might as well do that. So that part's in the book too. And that, that whole part, that's where the fun comes in. That's where I'd love to meet you okay. in a coffee shop and hear about you. We'll turn on, we'll go have some fun and we'll go down, go down our own, uh, comedic path to see what we can come up with. I mean, it's just a, I love to hear the stories. I love to have people laugh and I love to, you know, give people just a break in their life, you know, and what they're doing just to talk about you. So it'd be good. Look forward to it. Yeah. And, and I'm sure all of you guys out there uh, look forward to like getting this particular episode out to many of your friends out there and many of your family members out there hearing such an inspiring and hopeful story uh, about Randy and his son and his uh, family and all of his his moments that he shared today. Uh, we, we're very happy to have Randy. Thank you so much, Randy, for coming on and, and talking to our Transformers out there today. Um, feel free to come. If you want to come on again, you know, always give that invitation out, you know, to do another future episode, you know, especially as I come, you know, and, and, and talk with your audience too. And for my Transformers out there, you know, I already gave you the call to action. We look forward to another future episode. Until next time, many blessings, peace, and lots of love. Thank you much. Thank you for having me.